0: Jay Mariotti here, and image never has mattered much to the Patriots who haven't let ethics or the law get in the way of six Super Bowl championships. But Bill Belichick and Bob Kraft are wading into disgusting and abhorrent territory if they continue to let an alleged rapist with a whole lot of additional baggage, Antonio Brown, practice with the team and even wear number one on his uniform. And the NFL, under relentless fire for years about its inconsistent and reckless handling of conduct cases, is evidently too busy celebrating its 100th anniversary to make decisions about Brown's status, at least until next week, when it plans to speak with Brown's accuser after she gets married this weekend. Now, as it is, given his miles-long list of misbehavior through the years, including his tantrum-filled, self-orchestrated release from the Raiders last week, Brown should not be anywhere near the roster of football's preeminent dynasty of this and maybe any era. And any reasonable soul would understand if the Patriots were not interested in granting him due process based on that incredibly dirty laundry list of his. Just shut him down, you know, until the league's investigation is complete. Just scroll through some of Brown's alleged text messages to his accuser. I'm quoting him. Weak bitch, fake ho. She and her mother are dumb ass hoes, unquote Brown. Does that sound like somebody in whose innocence we can firmly believe? And read some of the accusations. She accused Brown of exposing himself and forcibly kissing her, ejaculating on her back without her consent, and overpowering her with, quote, great violence, unquote, and raping her despite her cries to stop. But as we've seen often, the Patriots operate by no moral code. They will do anything to win another title, from illegally spying on opponents to deflating footballs for competitive advantages to drafting a troubled player who ultimately would be found guilty of first-degree murder and kill himself in prison— So they don't care how it looks when Brown's former trainer, whom he met in college in Bible study class in the latest in what has been an unprecedented trail of twisted A.B. theater, filed a civil lawsuit in the Southern District of Florida, accusing Brown of sexually assaulting her on three separate occasions in 2017 and 2018. And I don't care if the Patriots claim they were unaware of this civil matter before they signed him. They know about it now. And they can make him sit on Sunday. Yes, in this country, I realize a person is innocent until proven guilty. But Antonio Brown, now firmly in the conversation among the most combustible athletes of the 21st century, is stretching that fairness principle to its very limits. And we should be appalled and outrage
1: welcome to unmuted with jay mariotti the podcast devoted to making sports talk great again few have made more impact in sports media than jay and certainly no one has been called more names some actually true he's the fiercely independent lightning rod who has produced massive ratings for ESPN's Around the Horn, made powerful waves as a national and major market talk host, and ruled Chicago as a columnist for 17 years. For 17 years. Unmuted is a topical whirlwind that doesn't stop until all the news is analyzed. So here he is, back from his day job in Hollywood. Back from his day job in Hollywood. For the next half hour or so, or maybe 40 minutes, depending on the Lakers, Raiders, Trump, and Odell Beckham Jr.'s latest mood swing.
0: The one, the only, Jay Mariotti. As I've said often lately, anybody else in sports, anybody else in real life, would be run out of his profession by now. But Brown continues to be handed more chances by shameful football men willing to sell their souls to win. First the Steelers, then the Raiders, now the Patriots, all enabling Brown to engage in... Here we go again, I read it every podcast, alleged domestic abuse, throwing furniture off a 14th floor balcony, going 100 miles an hour down a busy street, mocking his coaches, throwing fits on the sideline, and calling his boss a cracker while threatening to punch him in the face. But now the topic has moved to alleged sexual assault, and this is where the line should be drawn until we see how the civil case turns out and whether authorities in Florida might file criminal charges. Brown doesn't deserve due process. I'm sorry, not in this case. And the Patriots, given their many transgressions, don't deserve to grant due process to Brown as an organization. It's easy enough for the Patriots to wait and hide behind an NFL probe into the allegations, including a session with the accuser next week, which could and should lead to Roger Goodell placing Brown on the commissioner's exempt list, which means he wouldn't be on the team's active roster throughout the probe. But for now, Brown is still with the Patriots as they prepare for Sunday's game in Miami, Brown's hometown, coincidentally, and also where the civil suit was filed. Brown's attorney is calling it, quote-unquote, a money grab, saying the sex was consensual, and that she wanted Brown to invest $1.6 million in a business project, with the attorney wondering why Taylor didn't file a police report back then and has yet to call the authorities about it. Brown's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, meanwhile, says AB is not guilty.
2: The moment I learned about the lawsuit, um, Antonio and I uh, have been unfortunately anticipating Uh, This possibility Um, and what I want to emphasize is that Antonio takes these allegations very seriously. He is a loving father of five children, including a daughter. I myself am a father uh, and I have two children, two daughters that I love very much along with my wife. I wouldn't be doing this interview if I didn't believe Antonio. These allegations are false. Uh, He denies every one of them. Uh, I am very confident that his legal team uh, has facts that will prove this. Um, All we can ask for is that people keep in mind that this is a civil matter. This is not a criminal matter. This is a civil case right now, and there's a procedure. I've been an NFL agent for 30 years, and my concern is that people judge Antonio without knowing the facts.
0: So Rosenhaus says he and Brown were anticipating this lawsuit. Did they alert the Patriots. The Patriots claim they didn't know. Why didn't Rosenhaus alert the Patriots? Oh, because he wants to make that big percentage off of Brown's new deal because of the percentage of the $30 million he lost in Oakland. Whew, wow, the sleigh's here. Uh, I still think the Patriots might have known, although they're denying it. The league is denying it. Uh, the Steelers are denying it, and the Raiders are denying it. Well, just because you deny it doesn't mean you aren't... Lying with your fingers crossed behind your backs, right? And if so, why would the New England Patriots sign him with that knowledge? Oh, so Tom Brady can have a game breaking receiver and enhance the chances of the Patriots repeating and winning Super Bowl number seven. That's why. Still, you expect Brown's people to say these sort of things. The Patriots having him in. Uniform, even for practice, is another very bad look for a team that does very bad things. And one of those very bad things, Kraft, the team's 78-year-old owner, acknowledging that he did participate in at least two rub-and-tugs with prostitutes at the now world-famous Orchids of Asia Spa at a strip mall, also conveniently in South Florida. Here was Belichick, who after reading a brief statement saying the Patriots are aware of the legal situation, offered nothing in his typical monosyllabic mumble when he should have said something significant. Yeah,
1: I mean I'm done with that. Okay. Anything else on Miami? Any other questions?
2: Can you explain what you mean when you're done with it? I mean, we're just trying to find out if he said anything to you about his position and
1: about the obligation. Yeah, and I just answered that question.
2: Well, actually, you did.
1: Actually, I did. Thanks, everyone.
3: Thanks okay. Okay.
0: So now we have another reason to hate the most hateable team in modern sports history, but also admit this. Given the state of our lying, cheating country right now, the Patriots also are the team that most reflects America in 2019. Slimy and grimy to the end. More on the NFL shortly, but first, it should not surprise anybody within this same lying, cheating country that justify last year's triple crown winner in horse racing failed a drug test one month before the Kentucky Derby and was not banned because the California Horse Racing Board chose to dismiss the case after the horse won the Triple Crown. In other words, let's not allow a dirty test for a performance enhancing drug at the Santa Anita Derby interfere with history, even though protocol obviously called for an immediate disqualification, purse forfeiture, and the removal of his Kentucky Derby entry. This development falls into line with the other scandals engulfing this troubled sport, which has seen hundreds of horses die, including dozens right here in California. And it puts a cloud over the sport's only household name and superstar, Bob Baffert, the trainer for Justify. It's mind-boggling to think the racing board could simply ignore the dirty test until late August of last year, long after the Triple Crown was in the books, when the board's commissioners quietly voted unanimously to drop the case, which might start to explain why so many horses are dropping dead in California, in that the positive test involved a substance that could have affected justifies heart rate. Baffert denying it all, naturally, in a statement, and though the board released its own statement, all of this should lead to a conclusion, finally, about a once-beautiful sport, Thoroughbred racing should cease to exist. It needs an intervention, then an enema. And then years down the road, if races can be staged cleanly without drugs and corrupt trainers and owners and racing boards, then proceed cautiously. Unlike the NFL, interest in this sport is at an all-time low. We only talk about it when there's a scandal. And sadly, that seems to happen every week in horse racing. And much as I want to believe in Santa Claus, the tooth fairy, and the legitimacy of Chick-fil-A chicken breasts, please tell me they're real, okay? Nothing shocks me anymore in life, including this. Tim Tebow is on the witness list, along with a Balco chemist, you remember that scandal, in an Arizona drug case involving Tebow's trainer and band, no, don't say it, performance-enhancing drugs. Though Ian Danny, a former Canadian bobsledder, said in a deposition that he did not provide Tebow with, quote, any illegal substance, unquote, Tebow nonetheless is, quote, expected to testify regarding the defendant's illegal activities to include but not be limited to procuring prescription medications and illegal substances to distribute to clients, including those distributed by Danny to Mr. Tebow, unquote, according to a plaintiff's filing in Arizona State Court obtained by USA Today. Tim, say it isn't so. I wanted you to be an evangelist. I wanted you to run for president. Well, I guess you still could run for president, right? Despite the endless cycle of NFL drama, Week 1 delivered strong ratings on all the networks. For better or worse, mostly worse, gambling and fantasy are going to keep propping up this league, pun intended props, get it? with the usual myriad of problems and weirdness going on. Still getting the ratings. Such as, you ever hear of a starting quarterback missing several games because of mononucleosis? such as the plight of the Jets' promising young Sam Darnold, who won't be showing up until week five at the earliest, meaning the Jets' season already is shot with Denver castoff Trevor Simeon, now the starter. I didn't even know he was in the league anymore, which is a gift for the Cleveland Browns, who are looking at an 0-2 start after a disastrous opener and no protection for the pick-daffy Baker Mayfield But now the Browns have a reprieve on Monday night. Unless, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. is a distraction. (laughs) It's a perpetual thing, Beckham. Making more news this week, Beckham accusing Jets defensive coordinator Greg Williams, who was with the Browns last year as interim head coach and defensive coordinator, of teaching cheap shots and dirty hits citing a hit by a Browns quarterback that caused an injury that Beckham believes led to a broken ankle when he was playing for the Giants. Here was OBJ.
3: Nah, I definitely don't think that. The only thing I'm buying is, you know, probably just got to watch out for the cheap shots and the dirty hits and, all the things that he likes to teach. That's that's pretty much all we gotta watch out for. Other than that, I expect the same, too high safety, I don't expect much man to man, I don't expect none of that. No, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, think. I, I had people who, who were here when he was here telling us, um, you know, if you get a chance, take a shot at him, if you if you can, you know, hurt him. I guarantee he's gonna leave the game hurt and stuff like that and um, it's fine. It's, it's football in a sense, um, but you know, we're, we're all men out there so, There's no need for for doing any of that kind of stuff. Uh,
0: This is not a new story. Williams was suspended one season by the league for his role in the New Orleans Bounty Gate scandal, in which the Saints operated a system where players were paid bonuses for deliberately injuring players. So why would I be shocked by this? Maybe Beckham is simply taking a preemptive step to protect himself in this game. Or maybe he's just being OBJ trying to get a headline. But then there was this silliness earlier in the week. Knowing he's returning to the Meadowlands with his new team, Beckham says he still plans to wear the luxury wristwatch he wore in the opener, claiming he wears it everywhere, including in the shower. Now, the NFL, which somehow did not notice this last Sunday, has no policy prohibiting jewelry, but it does ban hard objects for obvious reasons, because somebody could get hurt. What if that wristwatch flies into somebody's eye or something? <laughs> it's just utter stupidity. Although Beckham says the watch is plastic. I don't care. And somebody said, well, Rafael Nadal was able to wear his on a tennis court. Tennis is not a physical sport. Nobody's tackling anybody, and that, unless that goofy Australian guy, Nick, whatever his name is, is on a the court. Then maybe it's a physical sport. But no, this is football. Life and death sport, you don't want a watch worn on the field, okay? So, look, diva guy, rather than waste everybody's time and force a league official to order you to remove the watch before kickoff, how about growing up and focusing on the damn game? Or that NFL official who will show up Monday night will point your ass to the bench where you can wear your watch all night long while everybody else is watching the game. Now, on to the Sunday picks. Saints at Rams. Dare I say this has become the NFL's hottest rivalry? And I think the onus is on the Rams to prove that their NFC title was not a fluke after that historically infamous non-call. They're at home this time, and New Orleans has to go on the road after a short week at a miracle finish against the Texans. I say the Rams need much more from Jared Goff, who must prove he's worth that premature $134 million jackpot, and he didn't really do that in week one. And I'd be curious if Drew Brees picks on Nickel Roby Coleman, the L.A. cornerback whose blatant pass interference was not called in the title game. This guy, Roby Coleman, has been asked about this hundreds of times since, Including about 58 times this week.
4: Oh, all the time. Yeah, people always, you know, joke about it with me and everything like that. And uh, uh it's it's fun, it's fun and cool. But uh, now I've got a new season, new start. So just trying to focus on uh, this new season and just be two and zero. Are you surprised by all that's kind of come out of that with the rule change? And I mean, they haven't officially named it the Nikhil Roby Coleman rule, but that, it came out of that that play. Yeah, didn't expect it to get that much pub but uh um it is what it is now they they made it you know they made it into what it is and uh the league doesn't made it a rule and so uh now you know just got to live with it now and um it's 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 a rule that the whole league gonna have to adjust to and um you know we don't have no problem with it we don't complain we just we just keep going we just keep moving on
0: i say aaron donald takes over this game when doesn't he and the Rams do win with defense, having figured out in the title game, this was lost, how to slow down the blistering wideout, Michael Thomas. Rams corner Akib Talib says the non-call is a, quote, New Orleans problem, unquote. That's bulletin board territory, but I think the Saints are spent this week, and this time the Rams will win without the reps' help. Rams 27, Saints 19. Cowboys at Redskins. Kellen Moore is the talk of Dallas after his debut as offensive coordinator, turning Dak Prescott into a passing machine and making us wonder what Jason Garrett has been doing with that offense all these years. The Redskins suck, but on the road against a traditional rival with Adrian Peterson expected back in the lineup after Darius Geis' injury, this is still a litmus test for Dallas legitimacy, and I think the Cowboys' We'll prove it again. Cowboys 31, Redskins 17. I'm still not picking the Cowboys, though, to go to a Super Bowl. No chance of that. Not in my lifetime. Not as long as Jerry Jones owns that team anyway. And I think I'll be alive longer than Jerry Jones is alive. But, you know, I probably just jinxed myself, right? Vikings at Packers. Minnesota allowed Kirk Cousins to throw only 10 times in routing Atlanta. With Dalvin Cook doing all the work on the ground, Cousins will have to be utilized this time, for better or worse, to overcome a Packers defense that will dare him to throw at Lambeau Field. Plus, the Packers are rested up after playing last Thursday night. Matt LaFleur from the Sean McVeigh tree will go 2 0, and he's getting along with Aaron Rodgers. Packers 22, Vikings 17. <laughs> Cardinals at Ravens, anybody expecting regression from Lamar Jackson after his epic passing show last week against the pathetic Dolphins should be forewarned. Arizona also is mush against the pass. And anybody expecting the good Kyler Murray, the one we saw in the fourth quarter in overtime, also should be forewarned. Baltimore has a monster defense. And this will be Murray's first n f l road game on East Coast time, meaning the Ravens will be batting down more passes and making Kyler feel very small, which he is at five feet ten and Cliff Kingsbury, his poor game management and admittedly bad play calling last week tells me this game will be one of the worst games of his young life. Jackson continues to show excellence with his top receiver. Rookie Marquise, I am not Antonio Brown. And Mark Ingram keeps bulldozing for big yardage. Ravens 33, Cardinals 13. (laughs) Seahawks at Steelers. Whoa there on all the hype for Juju Smith-Schuster. Is it possible he excelled in Pittsburgh because so much defensive attention was placed on Antonio Brown? As the lead receivers, Smith-Schuster and Dante Moncrief, Might not be up to the task, but I do think the Steelers' defense, shredded for big plays by Tom Brady, does bounce back and showcases rookie Devin Bush against a Seattle offense that was sloppy at home against Cincinnati and did not protect Russell Wilson. Steelers 23, Seahawks 20. Eagles at Falcons, the huge addition of Deshaun Jackson, finally allows Carson Wentz to show off his cannon arm against the Falcons. And the Eagles do have the running game now to exploit the weak Atlanta front. Plus, 34-year-old Matt Ryan, he's 34, is getting no protection, and it seems his best days are behind him. Poor Julio Jones. Oh, he's not poor. He just got a huge contract. But how's he going to you know, tear up the league with these problems on offense? Eagles 34, Falcons 19. Chiefs at Raiders, if John Gruden and the knock-on-wood boys rallied around, here he is again, Antonio Brown's departure at home against a bad Denver team, well, now they face the Patrick Mahomes offensive. The Chiefs didn't have a single three-and-out last week, and even without Tyreek Hill, this system is blessed with receivers who win one-on-one matchups, say hello to Sammy Watkins... And an immaculate quarterback who knows exactly how to play pitch and catch with all of them. doesn't matter who's out there. This likely will be the last time the Raiders play on the Coliseum's dirt infield, and I'm kind of tearing up about it. <laughs> Chiefs 31, Raiders 13. No one knew Zach Taylor before last Sunday. Now everybody kind of knows him after he woke up the... Andy Dalton corpse and found a missing deep threat in John Ross. The 49ers are another West Coast team heading East, Eastern Time Zone kickoff, and this is their second straight road game. These are major factors as all the Vegas people know. So Zach Taylor also from that Sean McVay coaching tree notches his first NFL victory. Bengals 24, 49ers 22. (laughs) Patriots at Dolphins. What a shame and a sham that Brian Flores is being asked to babysit a tank job in Miami. The players are on the verge of mutiny, and yet they still charge full prices for tickets and concessions at Hard Rock Stadium, assuming anybody shows up. Balachek will let Jarrett Stidham play the fourth quarter after Brady throws four touchdown passes and bolsters his early MVP candidacy at age 42. Did I just say that? Yes, I did. I mean, he was awesome last week, and now he gets the Dolphins, a college football team. I mean, they're not even a major college football team. Patriots, 48, Dolphins, (laughs) 3-0? Bears at Broncos. Chicago is not patient with head coaches or quarterbacks, so to avoid an 0-2 start... And that city's wrath, Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky had better figure it out fast. But here's the problem. The Denver head coach, Vic Fangio, knows Trubisky's weaknesses from his time in Chicago. And you cannot keep Von Miller and Bradley Chubb sackless two straight games. And why is Trubisky telling reporters that he is not allowed to talk about the Green Bay debacle? He's not allowed See a little kid? It sounds like college football. That is a bit troubling. Back it up there. That's a bit 3-2-1. That is a bit troubling. What has happened to the Chicago culture? Is Nagy, who was coach of the year last season, losing it? Broncos 16. Bears 13. Chargers at Lions. Austin Eckler is ruining Melvin Gordon's life and rallying advocates for the devaluing of running back contracts because the Chargers unearthed this guy from nowhere. They do not have to pay Gordon more than $10 million a year. And uh, so he's sitting it out. Eckler is a big star now. And you can expect Phillip Rivers to light up the Lions in Detroit despite some defensive issues that must be cleaned up and a continuing string of injuries that now has sidelined Hunter Henry. The Chargers are not going to win any Super Bowls this year. But in Detroit, let the Matt Patricia watch begin. Chargers 26, Lions 17. (laughs) Jaguars at Texans. Shame on the Houston defensive backs for playing too far off. Saints receivers before Breeze hit Ted Ginn in that epic Monday night game. Setting up the dramatic game-winning 58-yard field goal by Will Lutz. Lost in that mess, though, was the terrific play of Deshaun Watson, who will rebound despite taking more sacks in that battered body against a Jacksonville team that lost its season when it lost Nick Foles. Texans, 31, Jags, 10. (laughs) Finally, Bills at Giants. Buffalo could have camped out all week at MetLife Stadium, having beaten the Jets there last week. But legit as the Bills' defense is, Saquon Barkley will find a way to romp to victory. And Josh Allen still scares the hell out of me. Giants 17, Bills 14. Anyone who watches the NBA even casually knows that many of the elite players are not from the United States. So when three dozen of the best American players chose to blow off the World Cup out of fear of injury and not wanting to disrupt their summers. No one should have been shocked that Team USA lost to France and then Serbia, ending this country's dominance in international competition with our worst major tournament showing ever. And USA basketball chief Jerry Colangelo, the man who rescued our hoops initiative the last time it was in trouble, is upset about the players who backed out of commitment, saying, quote, I can only say you can't help but notice and remember who you thought you were going to war with and who didn't show up, end quote. Sounds like a mob boss. Calangelo is not a man you want to make angry. He does hold a grudge. I'll be curious if this affects who makes next year's Olympic team. It's a damn good thing the U.S. is located in the Western Hemisphere because that's the only reason our team still qualified for next summer's Tokyo Olympics saving the true elites from the indignity of having to qualify next summer. But the lesson here is clear-cut. We cannot be so arrogant to throw together a hodgepodge group just a few weeks before an international competition, even with Greg Popovich as the coach, and expect to win global competitions anymore. The U.S. was an also-ran at this event, undersized at every position, and taken down by familiar big men, Serbia's Nikola Jokic and France's Rudy Gobert and other NBA players who take pride in playing for their countries and have been together for years. Now, I certainly hope this got the attention of the likes of, let's see, LeBron James, Steph Curry, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Kyrie Irving, and the rest, and also their agents who are very influential about this. They've always got their hands out. I hope they're all looking at this defeat and that they're all planning to play in Japan and reclaim America's honor as the leading basketball nation. But no one has said yet, I'm in, which means America, until we hear some yeses, is in danger of repeating that 2004 nightmare in Greece, which required Colangelo and Mike Krzyzewski to create the redeemed team that won in 2008, and then that launched gold medal runs in 2012 and 2016, a Mariotti side. I was in Greece for that game. A fellow writer and I hopped on scooters hours before that game and drove 30 miles to Marathon Greece to go to a McDonald's there, Marathon, home of the original Marathon. And then we drove back those 30 miles, and we barely made it to the game, and then we watched the U.S. crash. It's a good thing we didn't crash because we're on these roads, busy roads, wearing these Elroy Jetson helmets. Mine didn't fit. It kept falling over my eyes, and I I thought I was going to die. Probably a lot of people wish I did. A Mariotti aside, I do feel sorry for Donovan Mitchell, a legitimate NBA star who might win a championship. You heard me with the Utah Jazz, but now is stuck with the stigma of being on this team here was Mitchell talking about those stars who didn't come to China. You have 12 guys in this room or 11 other guys in this room that want to compete. Um, and on top of that,
4: guys who also didn't make it, they wanted to compete too. Um, so I'm, right, I'm going to ride for these guys. You know, um, They don't want to play. They don't want to play. Um, I know how I feel. I know how those guys feel. And that's where my head is at. You know, everybody, you guys are going to go on and say who we didn't have, but why don't y'all focus on who we do have? You know, like our seasons have ended and we came right ready to work for Coach Pop for all these coaches, you know what I'm saying? So for us, it's not about who's not here. I've been saying that for a while. Um, you guys are going to do your thing, but we have 12 guys who want to compete for America, just like every other country. Um, it sucks that, you know, some of our country people don't feel that way about us, but we don't care. We wanted to compete and we did.
0: And here was Popovich, whose wisdom could not overcome the talent discrepancy, and he didn't want to hear about the guys who weren't there. He thought it was an affront to the other teams. You know, if I can
4: add, I think it's also a disrespectful notion uh, to even bring something like that up, that, hey, well, you guys didn't have this guy and that guy. Uh, That's disrespectful to France or whoever else uh, is in the tournament. Uh, France beat us doesn't matter who was on the team. I couldn't be more proud of these 12 guys who sacrificed their summer to come here, having never played together before. And they put themselves in the arena and competed, and they deserve credit for that, just like France deserves credit for winning. It's not about, well, the United States didn't have their other guys. There's no such thing as other guys. These are the guys that were here, and they did a great job, and I'm very proud of them. Any loss hurts, uh, and in this situation, it hurts more, but uh, life goes on. You know, this is this is very important, and uh, we would have loved to have won, just like any other team would love to win their games in this tournament. Uh, but we're all, we're all grown. We all have families and lives, and life will go on. Honestly, it's not about my...
0: And Kevin Durant with way too much time on his hands as he rehabs from his... Achilles' rupture has taken to fighting his critics again on social media. Yep, again. Durant simply cannot resist the urge to stoop to the level of these trolls and losers who know he'll bite back. Why why doesn't he go out to nice restaurants, do something, Go, go to the symphony, movies? Why are you on Twitter? Why? In a Wall Street Journal magazine story, Durant says he sometimes hates the NBA. His words... Yet the hypocrisy in that comment is that Durant hates the social media element that grips the league, and yet he's front and center in participating in it instead of ignoring it and shutting it down. He has become bitter despite all of his accomplishments, and in that story he ripped the Oklahoma City Thunder organization as phony, including general manager Sam Presti, and he called the fans fake, and he said he would never play there again. And all he did was open himself up to criticism because he's starting to get old and he's hurt. And wh- wh- when's he going to play there? When he bolts Brooklyn as a mercenary? <laughs> then he said he never fit in with the Warriors because Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green were there from the beginning, whereas Katie was the hired gun interloper. Well, Kevin, such is the price of being a mercenary. And I wonder how Durant will be <laughs> ripping Brooklyn. In the Nets in a few years. KD, some advice here. Get a hobby. Play golf. But do not respond to some clown as he did who compared Durant to somebody who broke up with a woman and then complained because the ex wasn't nice to him. Quote, Durant tweeted back, quote, see, that's your problem. You thought we were dating. That's creepy. End tweet, Kevin Durant. I think all of this is kind of creepy. What's sad is Durant likes to encourage his young followers about basketball and life, but all of those good deeds are overwhelmed by these tweet storms. How old is this guy, 33? But at least Durant has not fallen to the absurdist level of Dennis Rodman, whose improbable life was profiled on ESPN's 30 for 30 series. How will Dennis be remembered? And I covered him in Chicago. I'll tell you how he will be remembered as somebody whose passion to be loved after a bleak and racist upbringing led him to become a five-time champion, a Hall of Famer, and the pound-for-pound greatest rebounder ever. But also, he'll be remembered as somebody who needed attention to survive, and he fell into an inescapable dark hole of alcoholism when the spotlight faded. I admired Dennis Rodman for daring to be different But nobody should admire him for what he has become, destined for a gutter in Newport Beach if somebody doesn't get to him when so many people have tried. If college game day is in Ames, Iowa, that means two things. A slow week in college football, and yet another sign that other than the sports behemoths, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, maybe LSU, Anybody is beatable these days. Just look at the once-premier programs that are struggling. Florida State, Tennessee, Miami, UCLA, Nebraska. And you can see the parody created by the equal split of conference TV money and the money spent by programs to woo coaches and nutritionists and weight room people. Not that anybody wants to hear any of those things at the aforementioned programs with Willie Taggart on the hottest seat in Tallahassee and Jeremy Pruitt's seat starting to scorch in Knoxville. And did you see where Urban Meyer, when asked if he might return to coaching, said the other day, quote, we'll see, unquote. Oh, he's inching toward it. He's getting ready to dive into the pool again on the cliffs of Acapulco, Urban Meyer. I think Urban is starting to love him some L.A., as in USC he's he, there's where the Fox Studios in Century City, there are these big billboards for their current stars. Urban Meyer is the star the, with all their other TV shows. There's Urban Meyer, big billboard of Urban Meyer. And I'm like, oh, man, he's catching the L.A. Uh, drift here. And I think he'll be at USC, as I say, every podcast. The only thing is about that well, the new school president, Carol Fult, who just got rid of Lynn Swan, the athletic director, want a head coach with such a checkered past when she's trying to end all these scandals at USC and clean up the place. Because if you want to clean up a place, you don't hire Urban Meyer. But she's going to realize very quickly there are a lot of big money people in L.A. who want Urban Meyer, and if she doesn't hire him, she will be the ex-president. On to the games. Clemson will not struggle, this time in the Carrier Dome against a Syracuse team that embarrassed itself against Maryland. These are just going to be short little hits this week because none of these games are worthy of analyses. Penn State-Pitt used to be a rivalry, but the series is ending. Penn State wins by 20 at home. It's a bad time for banged-up Stanford to travel to central Florida where nobody is missing Scott Frost. And amid so much tumult on the USC campus, including the long-awaited forced resignation of Swan, the emergence of quarterback Keaton Slovis has been a revelation for the Trojans, and I do like USC to win a PYU 3-0. And that could be portrayed as the Mormons versus the slimebags. And finally, after considerable research, I have determined that Iowa will beat Iowa State. (laughs) As for Ohio State, the nerve of that school to attempt to trademark the word the, as in the Ohio State University, that junk they do there. That ridiculous try was shot down by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Thank you to that office. And you have to love Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte, who provided a spreadsheet to ESPN that showed the LSU locker room was indeed set to 68 degrees last Saturday, countering the claim by LSU coach Ed Ogeron that there was no air conditioning in that locker room. I love documentation. It might save us from fake news. Ed Ogeron, you're guilty of fake news. On to baseball where the grand plan to juice balls and disproportionately inflate home run totals Sure has been effective, hasn't it? When the all-time season record was obliterated this week, 6,017 and counting, it barely was mentioned in the media. Antonio Brown, there he is again, had something to do with that. But still, even in a slow week, we wouldn't have mentioned it. Who cares? Everybody has seen through this scam, as baseball does nothing but produce negativity these days, such as the insane demands of... Boston Red Sox owners John Henry and Tom Werner, who fired baseball boss Dave Dombrowski, a possible Hall of Fame executive, not a year after he won a World Series. These are the worst kind of people to work for. Celebrate, chew up, spit you out. And Dombrowski joins the breaker of the curse, Theo Epstein and Ben Charrington, as World Series winning executives who were canned by the Red Sox. All four championships in this century, and the three GMs who brought them the championships were fired. What the hell is going on there? For such a powerhouse franchise, the -the behind-the-scenes politics are wicked. Everybody is bitter. Why? I remember the scene in Moneyball where John Henry is wooing Billy Bean to Boston. He makes him a giant offer, and then Bean rejects it. Anybody who gets a call from the Red Sox should heed Bean's lead. Speaking of Bean, his team could be a major factor in October. Using call-ups from the minor leagues, such as pitcher Jesus Luzardo, a prized prospect, the A's could have folded up the 10 after they were bombarded 21-1 by the World Series favorite Astros. Instead, they came back and won the next night 21-7. to Then they took the next game, too. In Houston, if the A's do win the wild-card game, you think the Astros or the Yankees want to deal with them? I think those teams would much rather have injury-hobbled Minnesota, but you have to finish with the second-best record in the American League to get the Twins. I don't advocate tanking, but in this case, one of those teams at the top just might start tanking to avoid the A's. I never thought I would say that. And Christian Yelich's bid for two straight MVP awards ended with a fractured right kneecap, meaning the Dodgers' Cody Bellinger will win that award in the National League, deservedly so, while down the five freeway, Mike Trout will win in the American League, despite another wasted season by the Angels. And manager Clint Hurdle, once known for creating good vibes in clubhouses, is not long for the Pittsburgh Pirates, after reliever Kyle Crick and closer Felipe Vasquez scuffled in the clubhouse with Crick requiring season-ending surgery to repair a tendon in his right hand. This was the third altercation that resulted in either a fine or a suspension in a span of seven weeks with the Pirates. Sad, but baseball is slowly dying in Pittsburgh, where one of the beautiful stadiums in all of sports sits half. Empty. Which brings us to quickies, which are just that quick. To those of us without agendas who use our actual eyeballs and results to make decisions, Brooks Kepka is the dominant force in golf. The majors matter the most, and Kepka finished in the top five in all four championships, winning the PGA Championship and finishing second at the U.S. Open while tying for second at the Masters. But the players don't like Kepka that much. He's brash and he backs it up. So they voted, you've got to be kidding me, Rory McElroy for PGA Tour Player of the Year. McElroy is best known these days for gagging in the majors, yet because he won the Tour Championship at the end of the season, which is not a major, the other players felt that was enough for Rory to win a popularity contest. What a crock. Brooks, keep speaking your mind. Last week, Kobe Bryant insulted Shaquille O'Neal for being out of shape at times and costing their Lakers teams more championships. This week, the ever-demanding Kobe is taking on a girl on his daughter's AAU team. After that team finished fourth, Kobe posed for an Instagram shot with the girls. He wrote a caption commending six of the girls for working out with him one day, but pointing out that a seventh girl, not in the photo, quote, Missed this game for a dance recital, so that should tell you where her focus was at the time, unquote. Yikes. Bad parenting alert. Kobe insists it wasn't a slight, and he has spent the last two days amid significant pressure on social media trying to make amends. Uh, Sorry, Kobe. It was a slight. It was stupidity in this day and age. Uh, You do not say things like this about kids if it's fine to take on Shaq and Dwight Howard. It's something else entirely to cheap shot a seventh grader. I think Kobe also needs a hobby. While they're still talking about Will Lutz's 58-yard game winner on Monday night, which was one of the more dramatic kicks in regular season history, let's also not forget how the officials once again screwed the Saints, costing them 15 seconds and a possible field goal at the end of the first half. Imagine the outrage in New Orleans if the Saints lost that game after the non-call that possibly cost them a Super Bowl title. If I were the NFL, I would have Al Riveron, the officiating czar, and about 10 other people following the Saints around to every game to make sure every damned call is right. And the Cleveland Browns couldn't even get facial recognition right in their Week 1 crash. They banned a fan for dumping beer on a Tennessee Titans player, but the fan has proof he wasn't at the game. In fact, he was DJing at an afternoon party about 15 minutes away from the stadium, and he has photos. So the Browns couldn't even get that right. See, I told you, they're still the Browns. They're always going to be the Browns. And John C. Riley has been cast to play the late owner Jerry Buss in the HBO pilot about the Showtime Lakers of the '80s. One problem: John C. Riley looks nothing like Jerry Buss. Not that it stopped Fox from casting Cuba Gooding Jr. as O.J. Simpson.
1: And now a final Mariotti commentary: too hot for ESPN, too smart for the internet, and too chill for political activism. Take it away, Jay.
0: LeBron James promised to use his power as a globally prominent athlete and emerging Hollywood mogul to enact political change in his newly adopted California. And LeBron, so far, has succeeded. A bill passed by the state legislature and headed for Governor Gavin Newsom would allow college athletes in California to profit from the use of their names, images, and likenesses while they generate billions for universities in football and basketball. The NCAA will fight this aggressively, of course, but maybe this is the start toward the goal of empowering college athletes to tear down the age-old walls of faux amateurism. Yet, let me say this too, as he lobbies, I would like LeBron to be sensitive about the heritage of others. In 2019, if I went on this podcast and pretended to sound Mexican while proclaiming Taco Tuesday, I would be called out as insensitive, if not racist. So why is LeBron allowed to get away with this?
4: I don't know what's
1: wrong with her, but she won't get me down because it is
0: Taco Tuesday. Fortunately, his attempt to trademark Taco Tuesday also was rejected by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. That's two mentions for those folks in one podcast. It's inevitable after nearly two decades in the public eye that James is going to alternate good deeds with dumb stuff. That said, he also has stayed out of trouble off the court, which is almost a miracle in this day and age for a celebrity of his magnitude. That's our show for our producer and editor, Chris. I reminding you to never ever let anybody mute like you, sound you
3: hear that lingers in life.